Hello, RP people, and welcome back to another episode of Roleplaying as Smart People, the podcast where we pretend to know what we're talking about when it comes to all things tabletop. My name is Santa, and thanks for tuning in again. Joining me, we have Scott W. and Finder, as always. Say hello, guys. Hey. Hello. And on tonight's episode, we're actually going to be discussing the Mercer Effect. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Cue scary music. Um, Everyone's tuning out. They're just going to bitch about it. We're not. But. but, Yes. And I agree because. Well, you brought Scott, you first brought this to our attention uh, Mm. and you're like, I want to do a different spin on it because I don't think it's a bad thing. So. Yeah, that might shock people. I I, so it. Oh, so bef- okay, let's let's do. I know. I'm Before we start on this, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, just because that word is tossed around a lot, and I, people might just have heard it and don't actually know what it is. Uh, so I kind of found this article, and it, there you go. Yeah, and it describes uh, the Mercer effect. Uh, describes the unrealistic expectation of new Dungeons and Dragons players who believe their games will be similar to Critical Role. That is essentially what the Mercer effect is. Right. And I don't think it, that's get, wrong. Well, then they get online and cry about it. Um, there's a lot of Reddit posts. In fact, that's where it kind of got started was folks were crying about how their DMs suck and they don't do this, they don't do that. And Matt Mercer had to actually address it and was like, I just do me, you do you. Um, and there are people who do uh, outrageous things. Like uh, there's some stories from Reddit from the table is like, like very antagonistic players like well matt mercer would have given me experience points for that shit like that <laughs> it was like you, you have a parasocial relationship uh. at, a, at a d level with with a youtube personality but yeah so that's kind of yeah that's where it circles right and i like the wording of that article because i do agree with what the article says but i am gonna i'm gonna disagree with everything everyone believes about what those words mean it so yeah no that's that's fair and um so we got the definition Mm -hmm. i have an idea of how i think you're going to go with this oh hold on what about rich because you said you agree with the article that article lead rich what about you no yeah that, that that aligns with what i understood the mercer effect to be okay do you think the effect is real? I think the effect is real. I think people are stupid for having that expectation because <laughs> Mercer is a professional voice actor. He knows the craft of what he's doing because it it's part of his profession. Um, he's a good DM uh, if you're going to play Dungeons and Dragons. I think if I were to if I was going to play a D and D game outside of this group, I'd want it to be Matt Mercer just because he does a good job with his DMing. But I think there's a lot of things that he does that aren't necessarily codified in rules as well. So um, he, he knows story. He knows how to voice act. So it's like, yeah, not everybody does that. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. And so do you, and so the people that so we'll take our time and ease into this. And so do you guys also know the other side of the Mercer effect that folks accuse Matt Mercer and his players of? Ooh. Um, uh, of rigging the game? Yeah. Or, or, or scripting the game? Yeah. 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 yeah I've heard so, that as well. 
I've heard that, and I've actually found articles that suggest completely otherwise that it's scripted. That it's not scripted, or it is yeah, scripted. that it's so, not scripted. Yeah, but we're going to address I, that too. I, I think it's probably somewhere in the middle, right? I they are. I don't necessarily know that it started out that way, and maybe it's not complete. Maybe it's all completely ad lib from the very beginning. I don't know, Absolutely. but it wouldn't surprise me if they are a business now. You want to provide a good story. I don't believe it's scripted in the sense of we're going to do this and you're going to say that and all that sort of stuff. But I do think there there could be some, here's a general outline of where we want the story to go. And then everybody's contributing towards getting the story in that direction, but they have complete agency and autonomy to do it however they want. Um, if, if I were going to run a, a business that way, that's how I would do it with that group. I, I don't think a truly scripted would come off well because that breaks the illusion of, of a D&D game, in my opinion. Sure. Yeah. And from this is just from what I've heard, um, that does Matt Mercer kind of know where they're going? Yes, but he's the GM and he's creating the plot does. point and the story and everything like that. Yeah. So it makes sense. Um, from what I've heard, though, is that the players themselves don't actually know where it's going uh, because, you know, authentic reactions, everything like that. But on top of that, they've there's been interviews with celebrities who have popped up on the show, you know, for one bit mm-hmm. where they're, you know, they're booked in for a certain amount of time. They're paid to be there and they're usually paid decently. Yeah, sure. um, and they're expecting to go on in maybe about an hour or 30 minutes after a thing. And because the players and how they're actually approaching the situation, sometimes they don't actually pop up for another three hours. Yeah. Yeah. Now that is one thing I will say is that Matt and the crew are actual nerds. Oh yeah. The celebrities that go on there are not fucking actual nerds. They're fucking fake geeks. Um, Again, go watch zero charisma um, because everything that Hollywood does is by design and Matt and them, maybe voice actors, but they're not Hollywood, not like Terry Crews and Vin Diesel. And I know everyone's hard on for Vin Diesel and his make-believe fucking Drow Ranger or whatever the fuck he plays. Oh God, if you I actually watch Vin Diesel play, he oh, is incredibly bad. uncomfortable at the table. I watched that, and the yeah. whole time, I, I was like, oh, Vin Diesel's in it, and I watched it. and Because, you know, he was promoting his movie that flopped, yes. I think. And yeah. I, I remember watching it, and I was just like, this is exactly how he acts. Yes. Poorly. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he's he's not comfortable. <laughs> he's not comfortable doing what he's doing, no. and that's how you know his body language is completely off from what you see at a con or a table. Oh yeah, hundred percent. So that I will say is the celebrities are there; they're bullshitters. Um, but it is what it is. That's all we could do. How do we could do all another topic on fucking fake geeks because i love that topic because nothing makes fake geeks more angry than being called out as fake geeks. <laughs> <laughs> that vin diesel we're calling you out just don't hit me please right oh, whatever bro come at me <laughs> i'd be afraid i don't have the training that you have motherfuckers can't dodge fucking bullets so Ooh. yeah it's just crazy but yeah it's just uh so yeah i think the celebrities are full of shit like i said they're fake geeks uh 100 of them <laughs> there is one Hollywood group that plays that they're probably made up of real geeks. Um, and it's got um, Pat Oswalt. He's a hyper nerd. 
and he's oh. very comfortable discussing Dungeons and Dragons and D&D tropes. And so he's got a little crew that plays. Um, and so I would say that group, but they don't play with Matt Mercer and they're very private about it. Um, but when you see who's in the picture, you're like, oh, I can see every single one of these people getting the shit kicked out of them coming up as kids, you know, <laughs> for showing their fucking Magic the Gathering cards to the football team and stuff. Also, what is it? Joe Manganiello? I can't imagine. Yeah, he's on. He's with Matt Mercer, the real big dude. Yeah, he played, he, he's, uh, he's yeah. a huge nerd, too. Yeah, gigantic nerd. Like, you know, Henry Cavill, uh, actual nerd. His whole Instagram isn't made about bitching about societal woes. His whole Instagram is about painting Warhammer figures. Yeah. And that's all he does. You know, he's a gigantic fucking nerd. I heard so, Mike Myers, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. And you can see that. You can you can tell. Um, but yeah. So I just wanted to get that in there. Of like, fuck the celebrities. They are what they are. They're in, they're money makers. That's all. What are they? I think a celebrity. The celebrities are essentially walking clickbait <laughs> for Twitch. I'll say that the celebrities are the fucking amaranth of Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, <laughs> well, we're gonna get the people. We're gonna get people. I doubt any amaranth. I doubt any amaranth fans listen to this, or or they're the Delphine farts of fucking Dungeons and Dragons. And that everyone too. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go so anyways yes. um now that we're done talking about twitch streamers and people who yep, sell yep. their farts and bathwater right. and right. celebrities who you know have mm. no no soul so they don't matter <laughs> um so yeah. why is the matt mercer effect a good thing okay so first off it's not scripted not at all uh yeah. And you can tell there's evidence. You, you, so you guys hit on it, right? Like Rich said, Matt knows where it's going. And you even said it too. Every dungeon master knows where the story is going. Even the no prep ones, you know kind of what you want to do. Matt doesn't react off the cuff when he makes connections. And he'll play out multiple sessions to bring in a name or bring back a character or to bring a new character and make a connection for people. Um, he makes He does make notes, but... So the but that's DM prep. That's straight DM prep. The players don't script. It's not scripted. They're not told this is where we're going. This is what the adventure is. Um, and I'll walk you through two reasons that we know this is real. The first one is in the first season, uh, up and through like the 28th episode or so, uh, when they had the shithead player. Right? So oh, there was yeah. a dude who was so fucking awful, he got banned from goddamn Critical Role. And if you don't listen, but you watch the videos, Matt is gets visually upset that the guy is fucking things up. He's being a pedantic baby. He is the essential man baby at the table. And what you later learn in the later and those episodes go on is the cast members around him were asked by Matt to watch his dice rolls because he was cheating. So that's how you know it's not scripted. They actually give a shit and they're actually playing because if it was scripted, the die rolls wouldn't matter because what's going to happen is going to happen, right? So there we have the bad player. That's how we understand that they don't script it. Now here's, I had a revelation. I was listening to Matt Colville and he was talking about what, it, what, what, what M dungeons, right? And he was, it was a topic about the equipment list in fifth edition uh, PHB is no different really than the equipment list from zero edition, first edition, second edition and so on it's all designed to go into a dungeon it has a 10-foot pole but 99 percent of players who play fifth edition aren't dungeon crawlers 
right? So why? Why do you still have this equipment list? And mostly it's because Gen Xers like us are going to kind of piss and moan that you don't have our 10-foot pole in there. How fucking dare you? But these kids don't know what a 10-foot pole is for or how we even used it. They have to hear the stories secondhand, right? Because nothing in the book talks about really doing this stuff and about dungeon delving. There's no need to survive. You don't need rations. And, and you know, because back in the day, it was getting to the dungeon was just as dangerous as getting through the dungeon. And whatever it was, we, and he mentions a certain YouTube celebrity DMs, and then people have these unreasonable expectations, like you guys said, of this is how it's going to go. And this might sound a little bit like it's going to harken back to a topic we covered already, but it just hit me of why everyone thinks it's scripted because of how smooth Matt Mercer's flow is. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's not scripted, but it's because his fucking players, it's not because they're trained voice actors or anything else. It's because they're all in on it. They're all in on the conceit. <laughs> That's all it is. They're not going to fuck up the game. And we know this because the bad player was trying to fuck the game up and he got thrown the fuck out. They go along with whatever the conceit of the session is. They're going to go and fight the mind flayers. They're going to go and discover the deep gnomes. They're going to go and discover the deep dwarves. You know what I'm saying? Like that's their scripting and no one, no one understands it because 99% of tables don't function like that. Most tables have someone who's like, I just drive up to the gates. Fuck you. I don't care what your plans are. And it ruins the rest of the table, right? They happened at a con I was at. We talked about that a little bit. The guy playing this Titan was just like, everyone's planning and shit and plotting. He's like, I just drive to the gate of the facility where all the heavily armed guards are. And it was like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? But that's not uncommon. There are players who are like, oh, either consciously or unconsciously, people can't help but try to just thwart shit. But Matt's players don't fucking do that. They get silly and like Scanlon the Bard gets silly, but he still will rein it in. And there are times when he you, you can actually hear and watch his body shift as he realizes he's kind of pushing that line and he'll he'll pull shit back in and redirect the energy and keep the story going and keep the path moving. And that really is what this is all about. Why I think the Matt Mercer effect is good is because it's a group of people who are sitting down and agreeing, we're not gonna name our paladin. You're not you're you're not playing, you know. Uh, uh, a, a fucking pixie paladin uh, named Tickle Dick. That's not going to happen. You know, you're you're actually going to try and make characters. You're going to try and do the right thing. You're going to try and live in the world vicariously through your characters and shit. And so that's why I think the Matt Mercer effect is amazing. And that's why I also think people have a hard time with it because they're likely never going to see it in action at a table they play at, neither online nor uh, uh, nor physically. The defense rests. Yeah, no, and I, I, and another thing towards I think the Mercer effect, like, and I I actually agree with you wholeheartedly on that. And one thing I think about the Mercer effect that people also don't really put into account is they put it all on the GM. This is how Matt GMs, and it kind of goes towards your point, where not only is Matt an amazing GM. But his players, like you said, they give gave into the conceit and they are wholeheartedly trying to be that character while they're playing. They have the training mm-hmm. to take characters and make them themselves, make it into themselves. And that's not a skill that like that, like that's a skill. That's not something that you just have overnight. That's not something a player who's never done any role playing game before never taken a single acting class, improv class, any of that kind of stuff would be able to come in into and do it perfectly. Now, I'm going to say, I, I agree. Uh, there are a couple things that I think are getting glossed over to some extent as well. And that is 
while it's not scripted, all of the players are professionals as well and they understand story too. Yes. And so they're they're all working towards the same common goal of let's have a cool story. But what stops a normal group from doing that? Nothing. You don't have to be trained to be a No. I, I'm not a trained actor. No, but there there are certain things that you can do to have a good story though that yeah. a lot of groups don't do. Yeah. That like bring in backstory of the characters. And that that's on the GM. The GM yeah. should find ways to bring in backstory and i'm i'm bad with that a lot of same. times but yep. i i try to get better at it yeah same but but the players themselves if you look at uh like i can't man all their names are just out of my head at the moment yeah the players of critical role though yeah, yeah. they actively help matt yes with their character which is what you oh, should yeah. be doing as a player yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. You know? Now, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say one other thing here that is going to kind of contradict the conceit, mm-hmm. um, and, and that is, I, I think we need to think about or, or talk about the conceit of the game versus the conceit of the characters as well, because if you have you ever read XDM by nah. Tracy Hickman. No, I don't think Extreme so. Dungeon Mastery. No. Uh, is a is a is a book that he created and that stemmed from a game he was playing in where he was playing a barbarian, but all of the players that he was with were these over-analytical let's plan everything out and he was a barbarian getting bored. And he complained at the end of one of the sessions um, to the GM about how boring the game was. And the GM said, well, why don't you play your character? <laughs> and so after the GM said, or I should say DM, because it was a Dungeons and Dragons game. Yeah. But after the DM said that, the next game, this could have been what you had just described in that other one where the guy's like, I just drive up. His barbarian was a barbarian. He just charged through doors. He, he, he did go full on um, Leroy Jenkins and... The other, the rest of the party had to keep up with him at that point because he's just charging through everything. Um, so there, there needs to be a balance. I, I think that that groups need to talk about okay, and I, my groups we never talk about anything. We just make your characters and we'll we'll roll with it. Um, but but I can see where some groups may want to have a a conversation about this is my character and how do we help all of the characters have fun? Because if I've designed a character to do a certain thing and the rest of the party is keeping me from doing that certain thing, that's not going to be fun for me as a player. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. hundred percent. And the, the Hickman example, I honestly think he and the GM were, were both completely at fault because as a DM, you should never allow that uh, analysis paralysis to hit the table. You can feel the time when, okay, they, they fucking have done this enough. You're starting to draw every angle of the building or, you know what I'm saying? Like (laughs) enough is enough. We're, we're fucking going and I'm going to make something happen that forces your hand to go and do something because I'm not, we're not going to sit here for five hours and let you guys fucking etch a sketch this out. So the GM should have taken action on that. And then Hickman, he kind of had, I think it's almost a childish response to being told to play his character because there's a barbarian in Matt Mercer in season one. And yeah. he does really plays the barbarian, but he's also, like you said, he's the conceit of his character is 
he's also exploring himself and others around him in his relationship to violence and to seeking nonviolent solutions at times and what it means to be close to people. But yeah. And again, and you know, you know and Santa, you and said that they're all trained. I just, I, I understand, but I don't think that's a good excuse for people. Um, and maybe people not, I'm not saying everyone wants a Mercer effect, but if you're going to bitch about a Mercer effect, you're probably part of the problem. Yeah. Um, you know? I think, I think like, like I said, they are trained and when I, when I was making that, I wasn't talking about just solely like, you know, trained actors, which they are, but yeah. they are also people who have been playing tabletop for ages. The, and when, especially with new players, I think a lot of, and this is maybe a skill that acting kind of also helps with, where very rarely are you the main character in a play, in a movie, in a TV show. Yeah. And you, you, you already know, and especially people who've played RPGs a lot who are not complete and utter asshats, that um, <laughs> you're not the main character in the plot. You may have moments where you could be considered the main character, especially if it's something, yeah, where you're part of the spotlight. But I think a lot of the times, especially with new players, they don't understand when to let the spotlight drift off of them and let another player shine for a little bit. Now, that's also on the GM, though, because the GM should present opportunities for each character to shine. And that's really hard to do. Yeah. Um, so if, if you're not good at it, that's that's something that we can practice at trying to hmm. do. Yeah. 100%. Um, but but yeah, I mean, players and at the same time, the players need to let that character shine in their moment, too. Yeah. So, I mean, We've was, had experience ourselves but... with this. <laughs> when our first game together, the Eberron one that we quote so much, we had one player that would always make the game, no matter who was talking about shine towards him and when things didn't go his way what did he do he just up and left and yeah he literally rage quit why am i not getting any bennies like you're not really playing into any of your tropes you're just kind of (laughs) metagaming everyone else yeah you're metagaming and trying to control all the scenes which didn't work (laughs) considering we had uh a kid who never played tabletop yeah. before who was absolutely hilarious uh don't know whatever happened you know to what him. was funny about that though is what? being able to look back and see that nothing has changed over the course of three decades because <laughs> all of the things that he did are the exact same things that i did as a new player <laughs> so it's oh like, the young kid yeah oh yeah, yeah he didn't bother me because he just no. i mean he was fine, really. Yeah, he was fine. yeah, right. He was. Well, it, what was fun is yeah. he he wasn't afraid to make mistakes as right? a character, hundred percent, or, or as a player even. And so it was just fun to watch that that whole new player experience unfold. Going, oh man, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I hope wherever he is, he's still playing. I hope so too. Yeah, yeah. we do not play with anymore because <laughs> the schedule was just so whacked. So I figured his mother and father were going to kill him at some point for. Oh my God. Overhearing everything he's talking about. Cause you know, gaming gets really weird sometimes. Asking his sister to draw a picture of a gutted dwarf. Yeah. I was like, dude, all right, you maybe need a break. But yeah, no. So that's kind of, that's just where all this was. I mean, as soon as the dude said it, I don't know why I was like, 
Dude, the fucking Mercer effect's not the fucking problem at all. It's the fucking people. <laughs> Again, it's the fucking gamers. <laughs> you you want the Mercer effect, but you're not willing to meet half fucking way for a lot of people, and it's it's crazy, you know. And yeah, and I don't know. And I'm sure Matt and them have that conversation when they first got started. I mean, they're friends, lifelong friends, right? Or at least longtime friends. And they start off playing Pathfinder, unfortunately, and then they switch to fifth edition, which is less unfortunate, but still unfortunate. Um, so I, you know, maybe they, they, I, I can't say it's just because they're friends because I played from when I was in oh shit, sixth grade to like high school, you know, graduating senior with the same group of people and they still acted like fucking idiots sometimes. And not even sometimes, like there was always the people who you knew are going to just, just they have to be fucking contrarian to whatever the fuck is happening. You know, we're playing in Dragonlance and we're going to have, you know, a group of players in Dragonlance. Oh, I'm going to worship one of the false gods. What the fuck? Why would you do that? Where I told you we're playing pre-cataclysm. There's not false gods. Oh my fuck. Well, you know, I just feel like I want to be a druid. I know my fucking God. So it's shit like that. I'm like, no, just no, stop doing that. But yeah, so I don't know if they have those conversations or not. They might, they might have, I'm sure they do a pre and a post rap and it's like hey here's what's happened let's talk about you know what went on and they kind of reiterate some shit but but i honestly i think i really believe in my heart that they are all in on it, whether it's making the money because of the presentation i don't give a shit they're all in on the game and you can tell the difference that that makes when everyone at the table is all in on the game and that bad player he had the main character syndrome and a cheater and he got kicked the fuck out of the group for it and again, if you if people haven't watched the videos that are on Twitch or YouTube, Matt's body language is fuck it screams. And there's a point where they yeah, he yells at him and shit. <laughs> it's just, it's I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch some of those old ones. And by the it's way, his good. name was uh, Orion Akaba. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a D and D character name when I first saw Orion. I was like, oh no, it's his real name. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, man. But yeah, he got booted. I mean, there's other stuff going on, but that was at the table. So I just, I generally think that they're 100% in on what the action is and what and what they're doing and their characters, like you guys said. And they're willing, like Rich said, they're willing to help each other explore the characters. Because mm-hmm. someone will say something and then they're really good about interacting with that. Even Scanlan, the, the gnome bard who comes off as probably the biggest pain in the ass, he's really good about poking the bear of the other players or the other character, well, both by actually, you know, to kind of do that narrative approach. And then, well, I won't, I won't spoil. I won't spoil it. No, he's honestly such a funny guy though. There's a very endearing moment again, where you realize it's not scripted and it's shit. They are not expecting to happen. And it's, 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 uh, it's pretty, pretty heavy actually. Oh. So you watch a genuine emotional reaction. Oh, at the table. you might have yeah. to link that to me. Yeah, I'll I'll give it to you. So I, you I know what I'm talking about, but yeah, you know. I've 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 seen a few like of because I used to watch it. I watched I listened to uh, season one. That was great. Uh, yeah, I love season one. It was great. It actually got me more interested into tabletop. Uh, but I remember also seeing because the guy who plays Scanlan always wears funny shirts, right? And every once in a while, I kind of watched some clips and all that kind of shit. And I remember one where it was because he wore a shirt of another one of the cast's face on it. 
Yes. And it was literally like four hours into the recording when finally he just like unbuttons the shirt ever so and just kind of he just wears it and it takes like probably another 20 minutes before someone finally notices it and it's just the reaction on their face you could tell he's just you could tell he's a shit disturber in real life but <laughs> yeah man yeah. i feel like it was a short episode but there we go <laughs> what for uh just this i don't know what else to talk about no no well it, may, maybe uh what do we what do gms and players have to do to overcome this problem because i mean it, it's not yeah. an easy no thing to gm and it's not if it's done properly it's not an easy thing to be a player either if, if you want to have a good group and a, a fun group so sure what are the things that matt mercer does that elicits this kind of a game from the players so we're not privy to the session zeros you're true. But what are some things that people could do? Because we've talked to, we've talked in generalities about some of this, but yeah, I mean, sure. and I, I got one that I think Matt Mercer does, and that is as much as possible. He actually tries to stick it to more of a narrative gameplay than going yes. to the table. He only goes to the table for big combats, and I feel like that may be almost like required if you know what i mean well they'll do well i mean the combat yeah because they gotta show off all the dolls and shit um but he he will do skill rolls but he yeah so that i mean so that's that's a good starting point right don't like stop calling for superfluous skill rolls and it's a tough habit to break it really is because sometimes you're just like i don't know should you know that i don't know yeah make a fucking roll for it so I think that's one thing is maybe adjust your style to be like i don't you don't have to roll for everything Think about what the difficulty would be or the likelihood would be and just say, hey, yeah, here's what you know is going on. So I I try to do that. Um, just I, I fell out of the habit of I would tell someone like if you were asking like if I had a group of characters, like fantasy characters, the standard array, right, of fantasy characters and Rich was playing like the thief and Rich is like, hey. You know, I say, hey, there's some people watching you and Rich would have say, was to say, hey, do I notice anything odd about what's going on with them? You know, I'm watching to see what's happening. I try to, I'm trying to get back into this. I don't necessarily always want you to make a notice roll unless you specifically want something out of the ordinary. But I take it that the that my assumption is, is that as a thief, you're going to know to look for certain things. And I'll freely describe that to you like, oh, you see the bulge of a, of a weapon underneath a cloak. Because that's something a thief would know, you know. And so those are the little things you can give players, and that would help draw them in because I think that might solidify the role they've chosen, and you you you, you bolster that. You know, I, I wonder. It'd be interesting to know what games Matt Mercer has played and how that may affect things. And the reason I say that mm-hmm. is, a lot of people have only played D anD. d Yes, mm-hmm. and the rules for D anD. d are the rules for D and D very combat. Yeah. 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 And, and when you look at like, this is one of the things that I really liked about the, uh, your zero engine from free league is they talk about skill. Rolling dice is hard. You can only get a success on a six and you roll a pool of D sixes. And if none of them come up sixes, you fail. And every failure should have a consequence. It shouldn't just be, Oh, well you, 
you don't get the information or this thing here happened. Every role, so the game's rules state, every role should be meaningful. If it's not meaningful, don't roll, just give the players the information. If it's something that they know and it's not going to have any sort of in-game effect if they fail, just give them the information or don't give them the information, but don't have them roll. Because if you roll, that means something happens. So if I fail and I'm trying to do a notice, um, what does that failure actually mean? Yeah. Um, what negative consequence occurs to me other than I just don't notice the important thing that I'm supposed to notice. Sure. And you can even take um, that as, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. I say, you, and, and two, like, and that's perfect. And then you can also take that to roles that I don't know what to call them. Like, like uh, if you have a make, uh, like a lot of GMs will have a make like uh, a fucking random encounter check, right? And like on a certain number of the random encounter. And some people they have, I want you guys to roll this while you're out there, wink, wink, and or draw a card or whatever. And you can also take that effect, what you're talking about. If they don't have the encounter, you can, st- and I think this is where Matt Mercer helps paint that narrative really well, is that you might have it like, oh, we're out in the woods and we're camping. Okay, well, remember those, what were those results again? Okay, they didn't have an encounter this night. And you know that, they don't know that. So then you can say like, uh, you know, while you go take a piss, you know, you said you're on third watch. And while you're taking a piss, you hear the crinkling of brush just off in the distance from you. And you can hear a, you know, and let it get a little closer and wait to see how they respond and then give it a few seconds and then just have it move on. So the encounter still happened, but didn't happen. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that will help that tension and you really get you to get like, Oh fuck, we're actually camping. This is terrifying. Yeah. But I think uh, now I will also say there is overdoing it. Oh yeah. Where, it's like if you're camping, if the party's camping and they're taking watches, why make everybody roll a notice just for no effect? Right. And that's what I wouldn't do. I would only make them do it if they were like exhausted, maybe, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, if you're doing a standard thing, animals are going to leave you alone for the most part. Um, yeah. I don't know. What else can GMs do? Um, tell people to quit writing fucking backstories. You don't need a backstory for your fucking character. You need like where you come from, what's your family life like, uh, what do you believe in, and like what do you want out of life for as an adventurer, that kind of thing. That's all you need, four things, four sentences. And I think that can really – you can really start to pull those strings um, because you can, lay, you can lay little lures down and test the waters of like what well, you said you wanted fame and glory. And so you'd be like, well, I'm going to test the waters on this. How bad do you want that favorite glory? You know, secretly you're like, oh, well, do you, well, are you willing to do something terrible? Are you willing to do something dangerous and see where they go? And you can help develop that character. So I think that's one thing a GM can do is get character, get players to stop writing backstories that no one gives a shit about. And then um, just answer very simple questions that make the most sense about a human being. Like think about when you first meet someone, you don't know fuck all about them, but you're going to get a couple of things about them when you're bullshitting. And those Mm -hmm. are the things I mentioned normally is what you're going to understand. Um. Yeah, I don't know. And the players just have to. They have to. My biggest advice to players would be, reel it the fuck in. 
I just you gotta reel it the fuck in. If you're playing Paranoia, that's one thing. If you're playing Grimdark, you're not gonna go stick your dick in a fucking tree to see if you can lure honeybees out because now you're not you're not playing the game anymore. You know. <laughs> um, I got something for the players. Yeah, please. And I kind of was while well, I was just listening to you talk and you mentioned like you know don't write like that crazy ass backstory right kind of what. Yeah. Another, and this is what I like to do if, uh, if I'm writing, you know, like if I know what the world is and all that stuff and get permission to, you know, add a little bit more from the GM, which I think that's an important thing is if you have a really cool idea, but you don't know if it'll work with the plot, talk to the GM. That's one big one. Cause they'll either say, this is not really how our story's going. This will never be brought up. Then you can kind of not waste your time on it. But two is if you do have a bit of a backstory, kind of what you said, Scott, is keep it at something where, you know, the GM himself can kind of dig more into it. Leave a lot of hooks, leave a lot of plots. Don't make things so specific. Leave it to a point where if you were talking to someone and you just brought up in casual conversations like, yeah, I was an orphan. My parents died from dragons or orcs like, you know. You don't have to go into detail about how this tribe leader of blah, blah, blah. you're a kid. You don't fucking know. Man. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was there. I saw the eye of R. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I will say, I, I don't mind backstory. And I, I don't, in fact, what I do think is fun is if a character, if a player is invested enough to actually write a backstory for their character, that's great. But don't expect the GM to memorize that backstory, know everything that's in that backstory. And I think to your point, Scott, give the GM the Cliff's Notes version. Right, yeah. This is right. this is how the backstory has affected this character. Yeah, yeah, right. Because when you're playing, you can add to that by adding yeah. the now you can add the site, this the the spice to exactly. when shit comes up. Yeah, hundred percent And then the system you play for Savage World is easy because you can shape that through edges and hindrances. Yeah. Yep. What else? What else? What else? What other advice would I give you? Uh, to, like to players or to players GMs? or GMs? I don't know. I'm trying to think what um, else I would tell people. Hmm. Stop with the fucking funny voices. I even do them. I speak a lot of languages, so I can shift an accent. But at, at, after about an hour, it all becomes the same fucking accent, and then I just get tired of doing it. I um, remember I, I did create a character once. Uh, it was just a one session thing, so it was totally fine, and I didn't really care if I continued it where I talked like um, a kind of a mixture of golem combined with munchkins from wizard of the Oz for the so entire that's, episode. That's cool. Right. Cause that's what Perfect. I was going to say. Like tone probably is better, you know? So if you're the, the greasy innkeeper, or the greasy mayor, and you know, he's just a piece of shit. When he talks to the players, you don't have to go, like, Oh, oh so he doesn't have to be French. You just have to find a character from a film and be like, that motherfucker is a disgusting human slime ball. And, you know, use that kind of tone when you deliver the, the, whatever soliloquy the other characters. But yeah, you're right. All my villains sound like Jack Palance. Right? Yeah. And that's the thing too, is like, you know, the keys, the key, the key persona that you need to focus on for, I need to make them different. Cause there's, there's a habit of like, well, the seamstress can't sound like the, the barkeep and can't sound like the mayor. And I was like, no one cares, man. <laughs> <laughs> no one cares. They're just, they're, you're, you know. I, I don't know why that is, but everyone falls in that trap. I still fall in that trap. I'm, I'm now done with that trap. I will never do it again. 
what else is good? Um, I would say take notes. Um, like Rich and them, I think you guys, well, you guys have never really seen me, but when we're playing and you guys will say something that catches my ear, I'll make a note of it <laughs> and then circle it. So I know like oh, I need to come back and visit this. Yeah. Um, and that, that's honestly a good thing to do. Like even, um, I, I don't tend to take like when I'm GMing, I don't tend to take notes, uh, like while I'm talking with the players. Uh, but I tend to write down the things that stick out to me after the game so i can use that later nice and for players i would say also do that so when someone at the table mentions something and i think a good exercise or example of this is how task force raven when you're selecting your when you're getting your nickname your operator handle from the table you don't choose your nickname you describe your character what you're about what you look like you know um your hind- some hindrances whatever you're comfortable with sharing a little bit of backstory you know like what unit you came from shit like that and then the table talks, and I've never seen it fail yet where they hit immediately with – it's usually very stinging, but they're all taking mental notes. So if you're at the, at the table playing, don't just worry about taking notes with like, oh, the dungeon room number two has the treasure in it, uh, and then they say go left. <laughs> don't do that. Listen to what people are saying. Actually listen and hear what your fellow players say you know, <laughs> and take those notes and be like, oh, oh. This one, you know, the bard said she is, you know, looking for a lost locket. Okay, awesome. I'll make a note of that. That could be important later on. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I yeah. think uh, I think we kind of covered everything. I think anything more, and we're just going to be talking in the wind. I know, pretty much. Yeah. God, man, some of the con task force names were brutal. <sighs> Holy <laughs> shit, they were brutal to each other. Uh, I kind of... Man, the one during started... one part while we're while you're talking, yeah. you're saying in a past episode. I'm just thinking, yeah, but that past episode's never going to be. Uh, I know it won't be releasable. That's too oh, bad. I know. I know. I'm Someone so hurt. His audio up. That wasn't. I me. fucked my audio up. The same fuck up that happened on man on uh, what you call Gage's and friend, where the wrong mic picked up the audio. I still feel bad for it on their end, and I. Hearing it on my end, I was like, "Oh my god!" It just brought back. I think I'm gonna. I think I. I think I'm gonna have nightmares of that. I'm gonna bring up one more thing real quickly. Shoot. On the player side, so Scott, quick yeah. question. Yeah. On the on the con side, when you said that the players were brutal to each other in their in the namings. Yeah. Was it? How do? I... Was it mean spirited? The... Yeah. No, I, I mean, no, not at all. But it was no. okay. No, because the one dude was playing the TAC Intel officer, and he was playing a, a younger TAC Intel who shot at the ranks. And he's like, he started describing his character's background and kind of like what he what he talks about. And he was he kind of put on like that a, a very tech nerd voice. And like within I know shit like five seconds, the girl Jess who was sitting next to me. She was like, Virgin, that's his name, next. And I mean, and you know, you're like, is everyone good with that? Anyone got anything different they want to talk about? And they were like, no, Virgin's perfect. Let's move on. <laughs> and that's, you know, and, that, and that's what they're calling him. You know, they're on the fucking comm radio and they're like, Virgin, what do you got? And, you know, and then they played those up and but everything. Yeah, it was, it was constantly like that. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, just like when you guys did it, you know, I mean. That was fun. Because 
one of the things that I do see occasionally is where players make it hard for the other players. 100%. And that's part of this. Mm. They don't, you know, that's kind of where we we're talking, right? Yeah. They don't buy into what they're doing because they don't think they actually give a fuck about the game. Well, they, they do, but they don't give a fuck about the team element of the game. No, they care correct. About and that, that's yeah. that's where I was wanting to go is yeah. is the teamwork element of the game because yeah. people, well, I've got this loner character. Then why are you with this group? <laughs> right. you, you know, yeah. or, or we've created this group of characters, and now a, a new player wants to come in. Well, how are you going to integrate this player? Because you've already established that these characters don't trust anybody. Right. How how are you going to get this new player in? And so there needs to be a way for the players to cooperate with one another. And if not, um, tension's good. Tension makes interesting stories. But at the end of the day, it's a team game. Yeah, right. Yeah, you're right. You know, a lot of people lose sight of that, which is I don't understand that. I've never understood. Maybe they're just playing the wrong system people who can't i've seen it in every system yeah in every system yeah there are just people who are just so i don't know what the fuck is wrong with them (laughs) i don't think enough fucking attention when they were kids from mom and dad (laughs) i really don't know but they are just they're really like that and there's some attention to yeah they're attention whores and it becomes a it's like when you say kids will seek a negative attention just to get attention yeah. Um, and it's the oddest shit ever. But yeah, Rich, you're not wrong, man. I don't, I don't, I've never not seen gaming as a team event where we're here to win as a team. Yeah. I sound super nerdy, but it's just mystifying to me. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't give a fuck about my character. That's why I don't, I don't make characters to win Dungeons and Dragons. I make the character that sounds really fucking interesting. So I'm the guy that you're going to hate at D&D because I'm going to want to fucking roll 3D6 stats for even for 5th edition. And then I'm going to take a spear and a scimitar for my fighter. I'm not taking a fucking longsword. I'm not wearing fucking plate mail because it's not what I want to do. Even yeah. though I am now, by all measures, ruining the adventure and the party. Yeah. This is crazy. It sounds good to me. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> Well, you know, that's where, uh, again, I think one of the best things that people can do to improve their game, GM different systems and yeah. play different systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that might because be nice. it, I, I mean, Savage Worlds does a great job of opening one's horizons because if you wanted to play that type of fighter, there are rules or setting rules that can be implemented yeah. to facilitate that, like the unarmored fighter. <laughs> setting rule right where you don't wear armor so you get a plus i think it's like a plus two on your soak rolls yeah well you know yeah and like with savage worlds how much damage does a longsword do and how much damage does a scimitar do yeah oh oh, that's right it's the same fucking thing (laughs) because that's a trapping it's not important (laughs) yeah and if you want to fuck over other players just play paranoia uh, yeah, if you got to get out of your system and you really want to have a palate cleanser and you just want to, oh, I almost said my favorite word on earth. That would be one you have to delete. You have to beep. Um, <laughs> I spent a lot of time around British and Australian sailors. Oh, okay. Um, I already oof, know. Oh, man. Did I love that word? Um, <laughs> so if you want to be a bunt cake about life, um, 
So go ahead. You, see you not on this podcast. Yeah, right. Go ahead and uh, yeah, do some paranoia. Do um, I don't know what are what are other fiasco. That's another go. Actually, fiasco is a really good fucking game for people to play to explore uh, how shit works and how you can inter, inter uh, how the interlocutors affect mechanics and the narrative and how you work with a scenario because the conceit is 100 percent in the buildup of of those of that 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 game um yeah i haven't played fiasco forever shit i've i've never played it i've only vaguely glanced at it yeah it's it is really cool but yeah it's basically like salem witch trial go (laughs) well and and you know there there are other games if you want to amp up your narrative skills there are other systems that help with that i mean i I believe you said dcc is more narrative focused so if you want to not really. It's more. It's very heavily D twenty. Okay. I mean, because so, if you want a good narrative one, then Ten Candles is purely narrative. Yeah. You kind of know where it's going, and it can help you get rid of some ideas of my character has to survive. Yeah. Yeah. No. Sometimes death is the interesting part of the story. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ten Candles. Um. Oh my God. The other one with the Ouija with the Ouija board. Dread. Dread. That's another good one. Yeah. DCC has some narrative to it, but it's very specific stuff. Um. I would say uh, you you could add Shiver into uh, heavy Shiver, narrative. sure. Yeah, um, uh, I I still think Dungeon World is a very narrative game that has any some PBTA, solid mechanics. Though. Yeah, any PPTA will help you because you're gonna just you don't you may roll hack and slash, but that doesn't fucking tell us anything. Especially if you roll the seven to ten, you're gonna have to make some decisions on what the give and take is, you know. So that will help build. And, and sorry, that's the game I was thinking of when I was oh, thinking Dungeon Crawl, yeah, or, yeah uh, Dungeon, Dungeon World, World. yeah. yeah. I don't know why I said DCC, oh, but fine. in my head I was th- I was talking about Powered by the Apocalypse. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, those are – and don't play campaigns in those. I mean, you know, their campaigns are going to fail anyway, so just do one-shots, like literal just a couple hours. The characters are super easy to make in almost every single yep. one of those games, and so it's no time investment lost. And I still think one of the most underestimated or not under, under underutilized ways to play is episodic. Nobody ever plays episodic, and I feel like they that – that's just a fun way to do it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> God. Well, I'm glad we had a good conversation because I feel yeah, like we had a positive. I just, I, 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 and I used to be one of those people who was like, Matt Mercer could eat my balls. He's fucking horrible <laughs> for D&D. Horrible for gaming. You know, I was in that train. I'm like, he'll fucking chill. He's just doing it. And then for whatever reason, man, over the last few years, I've just realized it's like, and then I just had that epiphany. It was like, oh my God, it's not him. It's us. <laughs> <laughs> We're the fucking problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember which one. Well, and, and to quote the old G.I. Joe, and knowing is half the battle. <laughs> well, I was telling Rich today, I was, uh, I'm getting ready to sell my cyborg shit that I got for Kickstarter. And, uh, cause I'm never going to play it. I don't give a shit about that game. And, uh, I don't think it's a good game. And I know Free League's going to hate hearing that, but I'm sorry. I just, again, it's pretty, but it's a D20 game. It's lame. Um, they had better, there was a better way they could have done that system. Um, they had a much better, Spread spread effect. Well, it was originally Stockholm Games, right? And then it's Stockholm Cartel, or yeah, yeah, or Car- Cartel. cartel and then I think yeah. I think they're just publishers. They do. They publish it. And, they, and I don't blame them. Maybe five hundred thousand dollars. So what the fuck do I know? Um, other than 
I saw I was today I was riding and I was like, I'll listen to a cyborg game. I told Rich at lunch and it was like that was the worst fucking game I think I have heard in a long time. <laughs> like I it was neither cyberpunk nor dystopian nor Ur Edge Lord fucking you know a cab, all you know, all corpse or bastards, all cops. It was none of that. It was just like, what the <laughs> fuck am I listening to? There's, where's the hyper violence? What the fuck is happening? There's nothing going on. Even getting the job was the dumbest shit I heard. I no, like, and it's funny too because I was just looking. Stockholm Cartel also made Death in Space, which I think Death in Space has a way better system. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I, th- yeah, I really wish they went a different direction mechanically, but that's a secret conversation. And, you know, one of us is making a role playing game specifically designed to help with uh, uh, nar- the narrative challenge for players to help build that narrative and help build, build the, per- the, the ability to imaginate. So I'm so happy with this system. It's so fucking easy. <laughs> it uses it. It's very. It uses a D twenty. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't get it out. It's all good. Shit, still played out. I roll a D twenty. Why don't you just roll a D one hundred? It's different than D twenty. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm I'm no mathlete, but. <laughs> I can tell you the difference. 1% versus 5%. <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, oh, I, I take that back. There's two differences. Besides that, there's also the D100 will roll forever. Well, you get the big one. Yeah, I'm talking about if you just roll the two 10-siders and be done with it the old way. Yeah, if, there is that. Yeah, if you do <laughs> use the D100 in your game, stop stop being a baby. Quit using the one that has the double digits on it. Be Although I did, I did hear that I, saw a, uh, I saw a Kickstarter for a D100 that supposedly stops rolling oh one <laughs> of the balls yeah that's weird i saw that one too it's Fake it's news. because uh it's because they have another uh they have another weight on the inside oh, of it that goes oh. independent so that that one will actually because it's of course it's a ball inside a ball inside a ball so the ball that is inside the you know the main component of the dice right that one is static so the ball on the inside of all that will inevitably, since it's the heaviest part, weigh down at the bottom. So it would actually stop the spinning. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. using physics. There you go. Interesting. Yeah. That's cheating. <laughs> There's no physics in tabletop. It's cheating. <laughs> How do I know the weight doesn't make the die always get a good roll? Because it's a... <laughs> that's a good question i also saw now that we're just talking about this did you guys see that on kickstarter that dice or was it the the coin the coin that you can flip yeah the cypher coin that you flip the coin and it could be like something like seven different types of dice all built into one yeah yeah i was like that's kind of cool yeah but also do i really want to keep on flipping coin no no why would you want to do that no it's it's very gimmicky Oh, is it a d20? Because I know the game it could go with. <laughs> well, it can go up to a d20. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was, if I remember correctly, that Kickstarter, there was actually two or three coins that would cover 
the entire range of dice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you could and be like, hey, Miles, did you have your fucking flippy D20 to play more card with? Uh, I'll s- I brought my IPA from <laughs> organic spring water. Yeah. And Finer, you mentioned that book. What was that book, just in case anyone's interested? Uh, XDM? Was, yeah. Extreme, XDM? Yeah. Yeah. Extreme, Extreme Dungeon, Dungeon Mastery. Mastery. Okay. And it's on if Amazon you... with the Kindle? And it's on yeah. hardback for three hundred dollars. So yeah, I just looked that up too. Well, I was going to say just released version two. There's just a Kickstarter, and version two's out now. Oh, nice. Well, there's always a Kickstarter. For I've never read the whole book. Just uh, just his horror stories. Uh, if you if you got it, used, well, yeah, it's going for a hundred. Like I start I start reading it because I'm like I, I want to see what he has to say, and then I get distracted and go yeah. write. You, you <laughs> or, realize or like, feel I should be writing. Like oh, you're also a man child. <laughs> But to be fair, I don't know. Maybe he was just trying to prove a point. Well, there, there was some of that. I mean, yeah, yeah. I can see that. I guess I've done that as well. Just not for prolonged sessions. I only have to prove points at cons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, you don't know how to run this game and you suck as a GM. I'll oh go ahead and take control of the table. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> We're all going to have fun without you. Sorry. <laughs> Oh my god, am I the problem? Uh, no. <laughs> Not as a GM at least. We can't we can't really talk about for playing though. Although the yeah. stories you kind of told us, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. But I and don't, on that note, I folks, don't do it when they're trying to do a good game, it's when they suck balls. <laughs> so right the game's to it, not going how you dick. expect it. <laughs> I don't. It's not that. It's just I don't. They're know. not like, up to your standard. If you're gonna, oh. what is it? Because they're not Matt Mercer. They're all yes. of a sudden not good. They're Matt, Mer- Matt Mercer they're, would have let us. He wouldn't have made all these. They're no Matt Mercer or Scott W. So they're not worth your time as a player to play. Let me ask Come you a on, question. Those GMs are new. Hypothetically, if I were yeah. to think that is a correct statement. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, go on. How bad would it be for the podcast? <laughs> I have no idea. No, well, let's leave that up to our listeners. There you go. <laughs> Fuck, him. Fuck that guy, man. Scott's a dick. Yeah. Like, but I entertain the table. Rich is rich can bear witness that I can yeah. entertain a table in person. Yeah. <laughs> well, and my wife still wants to go back to that game. So. See, she hates gaming. <laughs> so maybe not. She doesn't hate gaming. My wife. She hates fantasy gaming. That's too bad. It's like fantasy is the one genre that I just really want to do. I know, and you're stuck with players who are kind of very neutral to met on it. It's so fun and so easy. So fun and so easy. Well, I I, see. I don't mind fantasy. Yeah. Um, I I just like other things too. So yeah, me too. Like I'll play it if you really want. No, I'll still have fun. We do fantasy again. We might. We might use Savage Pathfinder to do Savage Eberron. That could be fun. Yeah. It's a lot anyway. of games that we Sorry, play. you were trying to wrap the show up. <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah, I think that's a perfect time to finish up. Yeah. Um, so anyways, folks, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I had a lot of fun. I hope you guys did too. Uh, Finder, it's good to have you back. We've missed you. Yeah, I'm man. glad to be back. Yeah. I've missed you all. There you go. And... If you like this episode, please send me an email at rpsmartpeople at gmail.com. If you hated this episode, if Twitter still exists, send me a tweet on Twitter at rpsmartpeople. Uh, 
And if you want to chat with us or our little community that we're growing, you can also add us on Discord, which the link will be in the description. And one last note, we do not have gamer chairs. That farting noise that you're hearing is literally just our chairs. Yes, guys, uh, I pick up all those noises. What noises? <laughs> yeah, yeah, farts. I don't have a noise. I have like a leather. I don't know what the fuck kind of chair. You got is. a leather chair. Yeah, it's, that's a fake fart. Hopefully. Oh, whatever. I don't move, though. Oh. I stuck the big old needles in my spine last week, and I feel amazing. <laughs> I can't feel shit anymore. Apparently, when you inject 5,000 cc's of fucking steroids into someone's fucking L5, <laughs> it changes the way that your bones are grinding together. I can't feel hmm. it anymore. I would never have guessed that. Yeah, yeah, it's good times. It's All okay. Right. Oh, the, the podcast. Well, hold on. It's a real quick story, because this is how entertaining Scott is everywhere. So when I go in to get the, 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 the needle stick, this is real fast. So I get in there and of course you have the gown on top and pants, everything are still on. Cause it's only going to stick it in my spine. And, uh, the, there's a male nurse, a female nurse and my doc and they male nurse closed the door and he's, I heard what he said. He's like, Hey, you gotta, you know, uh, loosen up your pants, uh, loosen your belt, loosen your button and unzip your pants. And I was like, what'd you just ask me to do? And he, they were all paused like, Oh, what the fuck? And then so I was like, I'm just fucking with you. I heard what you said. And I was like, this is how the party starts. So I loosened everything <laughs> up and I laid down and the female nurse, she was laughing. And I was like, hey, I got a question for you, ma'am. She's like, yeah, well, I said, is this going to any way fuck up my tramp stamp? And then I just laid down and let the quaaludes they had given me begin to take effect. As they were like, <laughs> the doctor turns around and he's like, what the fuck did he just say? <laughs> I do not have a tramp stamp, but that's how I have a good time. Go ahead and end the show now. I'm sorry. Okay. And on that note, um, on that very, very interesting story, uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye bye.